When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 7 Monday Night Football postgame show as the Chicago Bears fell to the L.A. Rams by the final score of 24-10 to in a game that I'll summarize in one word as embarrassing. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Join with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, that was a rough one. Uh, I know we were already venting a little bit before we kind of hop behind the mics here, but uh, just to kind of start off like we usually do with uh, just our general mindset after a game, 5-2 uh, and two on the year, losing to the Rams, though. I think the fashion in which we lost to them, the uh, anemic offense that we saw tonight really just puts a damper on it more so than just a loss. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think this... Describing it in one word is pathetic um, for the performance that we saw today by, I wouldn't say this entire Bears team. That would be way too harsh of a word to describe this Bears defense. But offensively, what you saw, three points. And we've seen the Bears actually score three points. We saw that in person, Will. Uh, Bears Chiefs last year, Sunday night football. So we've seen this firsthand. So we know exactly what this is like. But pathetic and also not surprising. Which is, which is horrible to say because this Bears offense we know has been bad this season. It's been bad, really, I mean, you could almost say ever since Matt Nagy got here. It had its moments in 2018. But this looked like a similar offense that we've seen uh, at, at times before since Matt Nagy's been here. And we'll get into about him, this offense, what, what it can look like going forward. But 
Yeah, pathetic is just a good word to describe what, what happened tonight. Embarrassing, pathetic. This is a team, Nick, that entered the game with the best record or number one spot in the NFC uh, with the tiebreaker over Seattle at 5-1 and one entering this, this night. And now, again, 5-2. and two. So they'll be with everyone else. But just I think the nature of the loss, like I said, is really what weighs heavy right now. It just from the very beginning, it just felt like they weren't here to play. And we've had that issue earlier in the year with the lack of energy, a little bit of lethargicism coming out. And I thought we saw some of that again today. And uh, unfortunately, I look forward to having some of these frank discussions throughout uh, the rest of this show. But before we do, Nick, we need to get into our Miller Lite Monster moment of the game so for you nick what's going to be your monster moment here in week seven you know what i think we'll i'll I'll go with the eddie jackson touchdown finally for for him to get his touchdown robert quinn makes a good play on the ball knocks it out of the running back's hands and a jackson looks back and he's like there's a yellow flag on the floor oh no they're gonna take it away from me again so but it was nice to see him finally get in especially because he got injured during the game and it looked like a non-contact injury you're thinking the worst is going to happen on a night where nothing's going the Bears' way. But I'll go with that as my monster moment. Um, You know, there's a bunch of defensive plays that maybe I could have chose. But Eddie Jackson's, I think, obviously made the most impact. He, he scored more points than the entire Bears' offense did tonight. Yeah, uh, he scored more than uh, – well, he scored double the output of the offense, right? Offense got a field goal. He had six for his, uh, his touchdown, so he doubled the offense's output right there on that one play, which is a problem in of itself – For me, you went with the monster moment, the positive monster moment. I'll look at a play that I think was pivotal to the trajectory of how this game was playing out. And I'm going to give it to Foles' interception right in the end zone, that double coverage. Uh, On that drive, the Bears had a pretty decent one going, and that was uh, very far few and in between tonight. It took about six plays, got themselves in the red zone, put themselves in scoring position. For some god reason, Matt Nagy decides, you know what, we're going to run a one tight end formation. He's going to be Demetrius Harris. No Jimmy Graham in the red zone. No Cole Komet in the red zone. And instead, we're just going to have Harris out there. Foles gets some pressure. He throws it into a double coverage interception. Uh, it was only second down. Could have threw that thing out. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night every night for a limited time save up to five hundred dollars on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic get full offer details at Tempur-Pedic.com out of the back of the end zone live to fight another day again on that drive the Bears had a chance to make this a 17 to 10 ball game with plenty of time left in this thing instead it's the Rams that get the ball it's the Rams that seize all the momentum they marched down the field, and instead of 17-10, uh, within a few minutes, you're looking at a 24-3 ball game, which, again, I think that play was the dagger uh, right there. So, unfortunately, I think that's going to be my monster moment of the game. Brought to you by Miller Lite. And here at the Chicago Audible, our goal through the years is always to bring Bears fans together all across the globe, and that's more important now than ever. So whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by with the original white beer, Miller Lite, who has been there to bring people together through Miller time. 
And with us nearing Halloween, here's a riddle for you. What do you call a group of friends wearing orange and blue costumes to get together week after week, no matter how cold it gets? Who hug and toast with Miller Lite after every great play and in between the endless choruses of Duh Bears. I mean, I wish we had more of those today, Nick, but you call that Miller Time in Chicago. So here is to the Bears. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. No matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller Time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Light for your game day need. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right, you're listening to Chicago Audible. This is our week seven Chicago Bears postgame show. Bears, I don't need to say it, but I'm going to say it again. Lose to the LA Rams 24 to 10, drop to five and two on the season. Their first road loss this season here. I don't know if home or away really even matters right now, Nick, but that's what I saw on the screen and that's what I'm going with. We are jumping into our second quarter of the show because I'm skipping over the stats on purpose because I think we'll talk about them plenty. And honestly, it's a game where I don't think stats cut it, Nick. So I'm going to make an executive decision here to kind of roll on. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's talk about this offense. Putrid, where, if you're diagnosing what kind of held it back the most, and I'm saying the most because we can carve this thing up for almost every angle possible. What do you think is holding them back the most? If I had to say... Again, there's a bunch of things that you just said, Will, but I think really the offensive line factors into everything that um, this Bears offense wants to do. You don't have enough time for Nick Foles to actually operate the plays that he wants. And what leaked out was surprisingly over, like I know I saw you quote tweeted it, so did I, about Nick Foles saying that, you know, questioning really the play calls if they're going to work because he knows he's not going to have enough time. Well, look, the offensive line in front of him, you're having Sam Musterford, Jim Randy Fetty, and, you know, just guys that are not supposed to be in starting lineups and uh, obviously Rashad Coward being a part of that mix. But I think you, when you can't run the ball, 49 yards rushing will on the night. Nick Foles doesn't have time. I think Nat Nagy would like to call deep shots, but he knows that. Actually, he doesn't know that Nick Foles won't have time because he's still calling him anyway. It does factor into a lot of things, but I think right there second is Matt Nagy and his play calling. I really do believe that. I think this game should highlight really the struggles that Matt Nagy has as a play caller. Still a good head coach, I believe, but as a play caller, I don't I don't know if there's a future for him there because it just is it looked atrocious. There's another word that we could throw out there for this Bears offense tonight. Man, whipping out the thesaurus here late tonight, Nick. Um, are you having flashbacks of a lot of very difficult conversations that you and I had last season? Because we had a very long stretch a year ago where we were uh, pretty adamant that Matt Nagy needed to have what I called the humility uh, to just let go of the play-calling duties because he just doesn't have that special something, and he seems like... He, it just the lack of awareness, situational awareness, and personnel uh, disawareness as well. Just uh, everything, just holding this whole offense back. He's not, I mean, there's times today when we're in third and manageable and we're doing things that are three, four yards behind the sticks. And we don't have guys after the catch that can break all these tackles and do some things, and they don't even have the space to succeed. And it's, again, Run, run, pass seems to be becoming a thing again tonight. But for me, Nick, uh, when uh, I was watching this Bears offense to struggle, I was having a lot of 
flashbacks of some of these talks that we've had a year ago about maybe handing the play calling duties to someone else. And I remember last preseason, Nagy was allowing like Dave Ragone to call plays in the preseason and Mark Helfrich to do the same. And then he gets to the regular season and you're like, whoa, this is so bad. Why are you giving up every chance you get to get better at it? And here we are again a whole year later, halfway through the season just about, and we're back to square one, it feels like, with this conversation. Uh, for me, I think Matt Nagy needs to look in the mirror, understand that maybe he's not the right guy for that job. And as a head coach, if you take those responsibilities off your plate, he's already, he's a great leader, and we know that. He's an awesome leader, but he may not just be the right play caller for this team. And that could open up himself for other opportunities to help this football team instead of maybe holding them back. But I don't know if now's the right time or you wait till a bye week. I know that's coming up here, you know, not relatively soon, but getting there. Uh, But I don't know, Nick, would you make a change for the Saints? I don't think it's going to happen, but would you? Yeah, I just don't know if it would. But, look, we talked about, like, would there need to be some kind of change on the offensive line and maybe get make this better, maybe even putting in Alex Bars. But I think the same conversation can be said about a play caller because at this point, what else do you need to see from Matt Nagy? He, especially in these primetime games, you see that this offense just comes to a halt from whatever reasons. Like, on that fourth down and one play, Will, what in God's green earth does Matt Nagy think is a good idea to run a toss sweep to Cordell Patterson to the left and have Javon Wims block a linebacker? I get it. He's been blocking better this season, but that's a mismatch every single time to have both your pass-catching tight ends, Cole Command, Jimmy Graham, out of the red zone, and to have Nick Foles roll out left when he's a, a more of a stationary quarterback and then he, throws, he makes a bad decision, throws the interception, but... The whole play design and the personnel on that play are off. Why have him roll? If you're going to have him roll out, even if you you shouldn't even do that in the first place, it's not going to be left. And you're not going to have do your best, better tight ends, especially what Cole Komet did earlier in that game with that amazing catch. It just doesn't make sense. There's too many of those plays, Will. And at this point in time, three years in, it's time to just, I think, give it up. There, look, he, Like you said, I agree with you. He, he's a good head coach, a good leader. Uh, some, still has those questionable decisions with coaching, but I still think he is a good coach. A play caller, that's a whole different conversation. And that's why, you know, he, there's only certain people that can do both. And I just don't think at this point in time, Matt Nagy's that guy. Look to kind of, again, maybe you just have to. You just got to look for a change, Will. Like, I'm, I'm out of words, and I don't want to keep Megan <laughs> on about this, but that's what really it is, and it's just not getting any better. No, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you said it. Only a handful of guys can do both. I mean, both are full-time jobs. Um, it's a lot to take in what a defense is doing to you, calling the right plays, dialing them up, having them in your back pocket, uh, adjusting in between drives, and also coaching this entire thing and being – a part of every down, even when the defense is out there. He can't step away for an extended period of time. He's a head coach. He needs to be on the sideline paying attention to what's happening on the field. And I don't know if he has that ability to multitask um, as well. And, again, and what really kind of irks me is there are those, I'll, I'll say, really good moments where he does dial up the right play. But what happens? It's the execution. What happens? You know, you have sacks coming out of timeouts. You call a timeout almost on back-to-back plays, to go backwards. And then you have the two-minute warning, go backwards again. 
and it's the details, which I know we keep hearing about. So I don't know if it's just this offense is overloaded with too many minute details and they can't play fast and play fluid because they're over analyzing and overthinking out there. Or if it's a lack of talent, which I think there's definite areas on his offense that does have the lack of talent, bad combination. And I think, Nick, this is probably the biggest issue of all three of these things. It's uh, lack of coaching or poor coaching in-game, poor game management, lack of talent up front for the offensive line, and then execution from the skill guys um, is sporadic at best. And when all those things are coming together, luckily we have a defense that kind of makes it palatable most weeks, at least so far this season. But not tonight. Uh, not tonight. Tonight you needed to do a little bit more in offense. They're unable to get it done. And unfortunately, uh, I think we saw uh, what happens or what kind of game it'll be, and it's painful to watch um, whenever the defense can't completely carry the load. And we'll talk about them here in just a little bit. But, Nick, what was the biggest surprise maybe on offense that you had today that the Bears struggled with? Because I, I was Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Skeptical. You and I both were about them establishing a run. I thought they, the Bears did probably their worst job of finding extensions in a running game that we've seen in weeks. Um, I know the Rams kind of caught on to some things that the Bears were doing with the quick pass game, the wheel routes. Uh, they did a good job of adjusting to that, taking it away, and it seemed like the Bears didn't have anything else in their back pocket to counter with. Yeah, um, I think for me, and maybe – there's a lot, but I think just seeing that Demetrius Harris was still getting targets early on in this game when uh, when no. Cole Komet, yeah, I mean, that, that really irks me. I think even, like, I don't know if that's Matt Nagy being stubborn. Like, that's always been this, this word that's been tagged with him. And, look, Nagy and Demetrius Harris go back to Kansas City, and there's this, this connection there that, hey, maybe I'm going to keep going with my guy just so I can prove people wrong. Like, he wants to prove people wrong that he can be a good play caller. But maybe that's just the, the thing, just the stubbornness of Matt Nagy to kind of do things over and over again and expect, you know, do the same thing over again and expecting a different result. It's just, it doesn't make sense. But, yeah, I can't pinpoint it to one thing, Will. It didn't, like, look, honestly, I didn't like Nick Foles, some of his decisions and missing wide open players, like, down the field. Like, Darnell Mooney was a guy that I think should have had a lot more yards in this game. But given the offensive line, he has to, you know, make some pressure throws. But look, on the game winner to Atlanta, does he not have a guy right in his face? As right as he's about to throw, that pass to Darnell Mooney on the left side, there's a guy in his face. Just give it a little air. If anything, Mitch Trubisky underthrows that. It's perfect for Darnell Mooney to catch it and go for a touchdown. <laughs> but um, it's just little things. It's, it's execution from a lot of guys. And I wasn't expecting much from the offensive line, so I wasn't really expecting much from Dave Montgomery. But so when it goes back to answering your question, it goes back to Matt Nagy. It goes back to Nick Foles, and those seem to be, you know, the folk. Those seem to be the biggest talking points every post game show. Those two guys and the lack of execution. Yeah, and then somehow we talk our way out of making them big focal points in our preview shows because we want to look elsewhere, and then we get back to uh, a game and it goes right back to those big two names, uh, just like you mentioned, Nick. 
Uh, for me, uh, I thought the offensive line did a – I mean, we know they did a, a piss-poor job all game long. That doesn't matter who it was. Interior, exterior, you have Bobby Massey getting destroyed by Leonard Floyd. Uh, not really wanting to see that. Don't even want to talk about that. That never even happened. Uh, interior, you have Aaron Donald making everyone look silly. Cody Whitehair leaving with an injury, uh, a calf injury. Uh, maybe some some of his pride was left out there uh, as well, uh, just by how bad it was. Um, and then, yeah, Afedi, Coward, no one was helping out up front at all. And I think, what, Montgomery averaged just about three yards a carry himself, give or take. It doesn't need to be perfect today on the stat sheet. 3.4, uh, 48 yards on 14 carries. He was getting contacted in the backfield. There's times he's getting the handoff and he's already spinning because he just knows, like, I'm going to get touched as soon as I have this ball in my gut. Someone's in my lap. Nick Foles, I understand that usually he's good at getting the ball out quick. I thought the Rams did a good job of understanding that and combating it, and uh, just kudos to them for doing that, whether it's getting pressure, sending blitzes from different angles, doing some fake pressures where it looks like you're sending more than four, but you do send a four and you drop everyone back. They did some good things that really made the Spurs' offense difficult. When I'm actually looking at, and I usually put like just quick blurbs of things I want to talk about on each side of the ball, uh, for me, on offense, Nick, I, today I had difficult to do anything. Offensive line, that's how I put it. Enough said. Poor execution, no matter what they do, and just so flat. Those are the five things I wanted to talk about. And for the defense, it doesn't get much better today. Uh, there are some better things and more specifics. But when you watch this offense, there's no cohesion. There's no fluidity to it. It's hard to even get any sense of what they're trying to accomplish out there it's 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 really just it's throwing me for a loop today uh tonight because again you see things they're running short on third down they're doing very basic things to even get themselves into third and manageable and then when you watch the rams on the other side of the ball and we'll talk about them but they're doing misdirection during a lot of motion i remember when matt Nagy's offense used to do a lot of motion like 2018 you'd have guys crossing formations and it was fun it is so boring right now. You just line up, you stand there, you do a hard count, you snap the ball, and it feels like everyone knows where the ball's going. And I think the predictability on top of the lack of execution is another damning element. But, again, we already talked about that with play calling. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing, too, is like I, I want each of the drives or something that's like holding this team back. The first drive, there's a penalty by – Jermaine Effetti. That puts him in a bad situation. They can't be behind the sticks. Well, if that happens, just give up on the drive. You know the Bears aren't going to overcome it. The second drive, there's a drop by Demetrius Harris, and they end up going three and out. There were there were two drives, Will, that lasted a total of one minute and 59 seconds. Two drives that they had. I think it was their second drive, and I believe their fourth drive of the game, where uh, the fourth drive is where they wanted to go for fourth and one on their own 20 and I think honestly Rashad Coward saves Matt Nagy there by having that false start yep. because with the way that offensive line was blocking I don't trust that they get the first down I really don't so I mean it's just like all these things and I wanted to bring this up actually a little bit earlier Will's like Matt Nagy, no doubt in this press conference is going to ask about we need to find the why we need to find out the answer to the why and I am getting so sick and tired of hearing that. Like, what is this why that you're trying to figure out? You've been It's been a three-year question for you about trying to find out the why of this offense or the why of anything, and he hasn't even come close to finding the answer to it. So it is just him, I think, avoiding the question we're going to hear a lot of tonight and 
what is he gonna say? We we didn't execute. We didn't didn't go to the details and all this generic coaches speak. It's like I would love for somebody to ask him, why do you think you should be the play caller next game? What gives you the confidence that you are the best person to put this Bears in a position to be better on offense? I, that's a fair question. I think after this offensive performance. But I, I know that it probably won't happen, but it's just there's just so many things. And we haven't even gone to player specifics because it's more than that right now. Far bigger than that. It's just a bigger picture here with this offense and all of its problems. Uh, so many problems. And again, when you're winning, Nick, I mean, there's weeks when we're on the post game and it's like, well, they didn't do a good job here, but we won. So let's look at the positive or we'll figure it out next week. And when you lose, it's hard. It's much difficult to overlook uh, some of these items as well. But Nick, I mean, you were hitting on it, but I see uh, one drive, three plays, five yards a minute, 20, another drive, three plays, five yards a minute, six plays, uh, three plays, four yards a minute, 22, four plays, seven yards a minute, 27, six plays, 18 yards a minute, 55, nine plays, 20, 30 yards a minute 42 I mean right there's like five or so drives that couldn't even last two minutes long when you do that and then you have the offense of the Rams that were for the most part of this game having their way with this Bears defense Bears defense came up some good stops throughout but as much as the Rams were on the field only took a few drives and I think one thing at least for today's game Nick that really really hurt this Bears team and I'm sure the Rams wanted to do this and most teams try to do this but winning the field position battle. So many drives to the Bears today started so deep in their own territory. Now something weirdly, I had a hunch that was going to be uh, important. I don't usually keep track of this, but today I wanted to keep track of where does this Bears offensive line start? You're seeing their own 7, their own 18, their own 10, their own 19, their own 1, their own 20. And then I gave up uh, just because it was already 24-3, to 3, and I was like, anything after this doesn't matter. So there's just all those drives that are starting so deep in your own territory where on the flip side for the Rams, they're starting at like the 30 and the 40 and the 45. And all those drives for the Rams end in points. Now, when the Rams are deeper in their own territory, not so much. Um, but for the Bears offense, that needs all the help that it can get. When it's starting inside its own 15, it's, you may as well. I think Adam Hogue uh, tweeted when they were actually starting at their own one, like, hey, you know, if Nagy wants to punt it here, I think we can defend that. And he's not too far off from that because should have been a safety. Uh, there's that holding on Demetrius Harris as well in the end zone that was uh, suspect at best that they didn't call it. Uh, lucky for us, don't think it matters at the end of the day, but lucky for us they did not. Uh, it took the announcers a while to catch up because I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a safety. And then they're like, oh, yeah, just holding. I'm like, just holding in the end zone? Like, do you know what that means? And they just kind of brushed <laughs> it off. I was like, great. But, yeah, I mean, there's just so many things, Nick, where I think if I boil it down, it's just no identity. Not one. And it ha- there's never been an identity, Will. And that's no. the thing. Even in 2018 where it looked better, where the Bears can actually move the ball at times and – the Bears were a great football team. Um, there still wasn't really an identity. And 2019, there definitely wasn't. And right now, 2020, through seven games, they're not even close to an identity. And I don't know if there ever will be at this point because I can't tell you what the Bears are really good at. I, I just can't. Like, there's, you, I, there's not a, a person right now in this chat 
uh, you know, listen to this podcast later that can tell me what the Bears are good at offensively. And, and that's a problem because that's a lot of people. <laughs> so you can't tell me what they're good at. And they're good at going three and out. They're good at giving the ball back to the opposing team. But, yeah, we all know that. But it's just a lot of problems. And, Will, I was also tracking how many times the Bears started drives with a run with David Montgomery. Hmm. More times than not, when they did that, that drive didn't go very far. But the times that they actually passed on that first down to start off a drive they actually ended up at three points. They were in the red zone um, on the play that they get an interception. They start with a pass to Demetrius Harris, of all people. He actually catches it this time. It ends up being an interception in the red zone. So it like there, it just doesn't make sense for Matt Nagy. He keeps consistent. Like his quarterbacks do, making the same mistakes. And he says, be you and learn from your mistakes. He hasn't done that himself. So exactly. it's, it's a hip, he's basically a hypocrite for telling his players to do something that he himself is not embodying. And that's why, going back to our conversation earlier, Matt Nagy, the coach, I, I'm okay with. Matt Nagy, the play caller, I, I'm not. And I think, I don't know if Bill Lazor's the answer now when I say that, but I'm just, not, I'm just done with Matt Nagy, the play caller, at this point in time. Maybe I'm over-exaggerating, and that, I tweeted that out. I don't know if this is the right move, but it just something has to change for this offense to get better. It's tough because once you hand it off, it's much it's difficult to bring it back and i think that's what he knows once it's out of his hands it's out of his hands for the rest of this year at a minimum um and even if it's if it's worse uh it's harder to rip it back as well um but yeah i can just see the headlines now you know like uh you know laser focused and like things like that like we can we can get those uh geared up and ready to roll uh, anytime there matt Nagy, but uh, yeah, and again, I think if he uh, takes those duties away, maybe we are, uh, you know, taking timeouts correctly. And the fact that we <laughs> don't want to take a timeout near the end of the half when you have a chance to get the ball back, we'll talk about that near the end of the show because we, there's another big problem over there. But, Nick, what you asked a question, um, and it was a rhetorical question, like what are the Bears good at an offense? And the fact that you said no one can give you a positive like spin on anything here, they're not good at anything. And I sat here trying so hard to find the one thing to tell you about because, like, there has to be something. And I got nothing. The uh, Okay, maybe fourth quarter scoring sometimes when no. they're down by 21 points. But, no, that's that shouldn't be, uh, like, a get-out-of-jail-free get card, right? You're, you're down for a reason because your offense couldn't do anything for three quarters. But that didn't happen today. And all these garbage yards just take them out because they meant nothing because the Bears were literally shut out for this entire game, and yeah, and look, I mean that it, it's a it's not it's a simple question, but there is no there no answer to it because it doesn't exist. Just like the why that Matt Nagy's searching for and has been searching for for years now to solve. But uh, talking about this offense, just it, I'm getting like I feel like I'm getting red here, just getting angry with this topic. It's just uh, it's just so. It, it, it's frustrating uh, at garbage time. So when it did get down to twenty-four to three, the total yard split was three sixty for the Rams, one seventy-five for the Bears. Um, at the end of the game, it was three seventy-one for the Rams. They only gained eleven more yards. Good defense turned it up near the end of the stretch here. Defense tried uh, towards the end here to at least give this Bears offense chances. Uh, the Bears did get a hundred more yards after the fact, but again, uh, they were just pushing it. Uh, Rams were playing off. It's hard to find a lot of stock in that one. Uh, the fact that we were 4-14 uh, 
on third down. I know the Bears were very bad on third down entering, like one of the worst in the NFL. 4-14, one of four on fourth down, though. That one hurts. Like, the fact he had to go for it four times on fourth down, and he got one of them, it's, I mean, ugh, it's, it's hard any way you cut it. And then I think the most damning stat of them all, though, Nick, when it comes to this offense, 0 for 2 in the red zone. You got down there twice, and you came up with uh, zero points. Uh, the interception, and then also the one when they uh, turned it over on down. So, again, those if you would have found points on both of those, if you would have found your way into the end zone, I mean, it, it, I don't have to be a math whiz. 7 plus 7 is 14. 10 plus 14 is 24. 24, 24, that's a tie ball game. And again, game flow, things could have changed, but the points were out there to be scored, and the Bears just failed to uh, capitalize on their chances. And I can't believe they actually had chances at some of the rate today. Uh, so offensive line, they allowed four sacks. Uh, on top of that, I don't even want to know how many quarterback hits, but I'm going to find out anyway because it was a lot. Um, another eight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, he was getting beaten around. Only three yards or so per carry on the ground and again I do Nick I'm starting to get worried about David Montgomery uh, just because I haven't seen a lot out of him over the last two years and as much as I want to keep my hopes high on him and again I know the offensive line isn't helping him um, but still even when he has some of these easy breaks he does seem like he doesn't have that breakaway speed that I thought he maybe would have and again sample size is real small because usually it's contacted in the backfield but uh, when it comes to like a talent overall talent of this Bears offense without Tariq Cohen now too and it just feels like as excited as we were in the offseason about talent I don't know if it's just lack of talent uh and I'm not looking offensive line here I'm looking skill skill guys I don't know if it's lack of talent or if we just can't extract or capitalize on the talent of this offense and I think that's going to be one of my bigger questions as I kind of watch the remainder of this season you know, Will, I think that a question that we have had in the past in previous episodes, I don't know if it was like Countdown to Camp or whatever, wherever it was, but we, the question was presented to us, has any offensive player gotten better under Matt Nagy? Actually showed significant mm-hmm. improvement over the years of him being the coach there. And that was a difficult question to answer because you, you look at the grand scheme of things, all these players that Matt Nagy's had, like Anthony Miller so far, has not gotten better. He's if more so very consistent with what he's done with the first two years, having those those spurts of productive games and going missing for a, a number of games. Allen Robinson, you know, was he had a fifteen hundred yard season in Jacksonville. So I mean, but he's always been good. So I don't think he's gotten better. He's just consistently stayed, you know, to be the the good player, great player that he is. You look at the offensive line, Charles Leno Junior in twenty eighteen probably did get better. But now he's just regressing, and now he's and back is that to Matt show. Nagy? That, I think it's got to be a, there's a factor there. He's the one running this entire team, and I know there's position coaches, but he's the overseer, and that's why I think he needs to give up one of his positions so he can focus on some a little bit more things. But it's under his management, and so he's going to get the one build for why these guys are not being productive. I mean, you can of course, you know, blame position coaches. That's they're working with these guys day to day, but you're the head coach. These guys, I think culturally they're great, and they always have been. But actual football playing, playing the game of football, I don't think that that it, none any of these guys really that you could say have definitely gotten better under him. 
and just this coaching staff, which is again a problem. Oh, that's a big problem. That's a that's a fun question. Not so much uh, as my clock here <laughs> yeah. strikes midnight uh, to start considering. Uh, now it's October 27th for me. So, uh, yeah, that's a toughie. And like you said, Charles Leno Jr. got better in 2018. That's what I was like, do you put that on Nagy? Or was it just a good year from Leno Jr.? Because even since then, it's taken some steps backward. Um, as we all too well know, <sighs> is there anything else we want to talk about in offense today? I mean, we didn't even go player specifics. I mean, I mean, we got to give a little bit of praise to uh, Cole Komet. Uh, you mentioned that really awesome catch that he had along the sideline, you know, to get up and over, corral that thing, uh, and to keep running with. I mean, that was one of the best plays I've seen from a tight end so far this season um, in a Bears uniform, uh, which is exciting. Uh, he followed that up with another catch on that drive, and then yet again, they decided that was enough, and we'll, we'll call it, and you can watch the game as a spectator there, Cole. Um, still don't understand that one uh, personally, but – other than that, uh, it's hard to find any solace um, in anything. I'm glad Anthony Miller ran a route ahead of the sticks a couple of times, so <laughs> a couple first downs there. Uh, really stretching here, Nick. How about you? Anything from a player-specific standpoint? Not from player-specific. Well, I guess it is player-specific because it deals with foals, but I just kind of want to read off what um, Jason Leisure from the Chicago Sun-Times tweeted during the game, so if anyone didn't get what I was referencing earlier. So he tweeted, Brian Greasy just said that Nick Foles told the ESPN crew that sometimes Nagy sends in a play call and Foles already knows it won't work because he won't have enough time after the snap. That is something. And then he follows up that tweet. Matt Nagy's response from the presser, um, we've never had that conversation. I don't know. You'll have to ask Foles. Nick and I have a pretty good relationship, and he hasn't said that. I'm sure he'll explain what he meant by that. Interesting. So we'll see what happens most likely tomorrow when they have to, I think, when they have to speak to the media or, or over Zoom. But it's already brewing, Will. Uh, were you were you thinking, here's a, a fu- I guess a fuck. Were you thinking Mitch Trubisky would make, uh, enter this game at some point? Um, prior to Eddie would. Jackson's maybe touchdown? I didn't think he would, but I was in the back of my head. I had like one of those like whispers like, just throw Mitch in. Like, why not? At this rate, why? You did it against Atlanta. It worked. And we talked about it. It's a season where you, you kind of got to ride the right hand. And you know what? Not that maybe Mitch is the answer tonight, but with the offensive line as bad as it was, and you have someone that's a little bit more mobile, you never know. Also, also though, I've seen Mitch plenty of times fold under that pressure, uh, throw a terrible ball, and uh, make matters worse. So I think we're damned either way. Most honestly, but <laughs> whenever you're losing as bad as it was, I'd almost want anything. I almost would rather see Mitch out there uh, returning punts uh, than Ted Ginn Jr. <laughs> right now. Honestly, uh, he has speed. Uh, I, I'm sure he knows how to fair catch and not let it go backwards deeper into our own territory, but maybe the best offense we get. But, yeah, Nick, I mean, I'm looking here. I mean, Robinson, his stat line I think is a little misleading. He had that 42-yarder, which, again – was in very much desperation mode, which kind of skewed all of his stats. Uh, Commits right up there second. Uh, Jimmy Graham, I mean, all these, here's the thing. I'm looking at numbers. These are all empty yards and catches. None of these meant much, and I think that's also the problem. Like, you see 261 yards uh, gained by these guys, and they didn't amount to anything. They only got a field goal tonight. So I don't think it makes any sense to look at them and go, ooh, 
you know, David Montgomery caught all five of those targets for 21 yards, 4.2 yards per catch. It doesn't make any sense. Not tonight. Uh, so for me, I'm not even going to look into those any further. Um, third down, skin with the ball. Red zone we talked about. No identity. Still searching for one. I got nothing further. Uh, again, flat, embarrassing, atrocious. What are the other words that we're using? Um, what are we pathetic? I don't know pathetic. if you said that one. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's um, it's all those, and I, and I really can't say if this is going to get better. Like I, this was a terrible performance. Just you had everything going wrong, but how how much better will it get from here? Does it get better? Like I was, I know I wrote in a column like the Bears are a dangerous team because their offense still hasn't showed up, but I was also expecting the offense to eventually somewhat progressively get average, maybe even average, below average. I don't know if they can even come close to that at this point in time. And you have the Saints, you have the Titans, you have, I know the Vikings are coming up for another, I think it's supposed to be Sunday night. Well, no way that's going to happen. They're going to flex that to like a noon game with the way these two teams are probably going to be playing over the next couple weeks. But yeah, I just don't know if this actually can get better. I'm going to leave it at that. I think that's the best way to just keep it open. And uh, as we move forward with a yet another week, it hasn't been pretty all season uh, besides a few miraculous comebacks. And that's been about it. So can it get better is uh, the question that will keep you mulling over uh, throughout this week. But let's go ahead, Nick. Let's switch over to the third quarter of our show and let's talk about the Chicago Bears defense again. They gave up uh, 24 points today, uh, over 370 yards total. Uh, a lot of yards, a lot of damage happening on the ground. And even though I see that the Rams finished the game at 4.7 yards per rush, uh, which is when they were trying to milk the clock and the Bears were kind of going all out to stopping the run, there was a point in this game where they were averaging over 70 yards per pop on the ground. And uh, we were talking in our preview show, like, hey, we're feeling better about this Bears' ability to stop the run, and maybe this will be the week where they can really solidify uh, some of this confidence that we're having in us. And then it just felt, at least for me personally, it got ripped right out of my heart, and uh, I feel exposed uh, yet again, at least exposed in terms of, like, every time I feel like I try to give this team some confidence in one regard or another, they totally find a way to ruin it. Uh what that's kind of just my general just random thoughts over on defense you have any yourself i'm sure you do yeah well i mean to add on top of that some of the Mm -hmm. things that were happening throughout the season were missed tackles and there were so many in this game look i know this defense was out there for a long time and you know if this was any other defense it would have folded worse than what what kind of happened here throughout the course of the game but there were still missed tackles where that's just lack of you know finishing a play where you see i think in one one drive dan trevathan misses a play very a couple play uh, next play later so is roquan smith there's both your inside starting linebackers that were kind of trending in the right direction we've seen roquan smith miss tackles all season we really have and we've been wanting him to take that next step can't take that next step if you are a inside middle linebacker missing tackles then to sean gibson who dropped the not only did he drop an interception but he just didn't tackle the the tight end over the middle who walks into the end zone for a touchdown so we we saw multiple guys just miss tackles throughout this game and 
I, I know, I get it. The defense is out there for a while, but you still got to tackle. That's just the basics of football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, if you don't tackle, what's the point? You know, are you? This isn't flag. You don't get. You don't stop them by putting two. It's not two hand touch. You, you have to bring them down to the turf, and they just didn't seem interested at points, Nick, of doing that. I mean, you talked about a few player specifics, but I mean, we both were around the same time, just like exasperated by the amount of missed tackles that we saw. Um, I, I noticed that one as well, and it's interesting to me because over the last few weeks they've been playing hard, nose, getting downhill, t- finishing strong, and none of that was happening tonight whatsoever. They just seemed, like I said, disinterested is going to be the word that comes to mind yet again. Like There's a play where I forgot who missed a tackle, but there's like three bears just kind of like, Okay, who wants to go get them? Like, what? <laughs> like, they all kind of looked at one another as the tight end still running down the field. I'm like, no. Like, that's not – no, you need – where's this gang tackling mentality? Are they afraid of getting flags called on them for being too rough now after all these calls that they've had over the last few weeks? I don't know, but that's definitely not a way to combat it. It just, to me, the lack of willingness to play – through the whistle too. I mean, this even goes to the one run that they had in the red zone as they were just moving the pile, like seven, eight yards, like clo- what? Like this bears defense in the red zone. That's not what we've seen out of them. That's not the effort that I'm, I've grown accustomed to seeing out of this defense. And I thought we saw that far too often tonight. And I know there are some things specifically that I know you want to hit on. And I do as well about what the Rams did well to combat maybe some of the bears aggressiveness and they did a good job of exposing that. I thought the Bears, uh, at least for me, on either the front side or the back side, didn't matter, but they just got destroyed along the edges tonight, allowing the Rams to set the edge themselves and get around and head upfield. And, like, there's no contain on the back side of these plays, and those are the two easy ones. I mean, you know, as Brandon would say, throw it all the way back to B. Games are won and lost in the trenches, and, they could not hold their own along the edges for the majority of this game and allowing Goff to get some easy throws on the run uh, outside of the pocket or just bringing them back and swing them around cross formation. Just too many too many easy yards on the ground or with Goff throwing it outside the pocket and just getting to the out to the edges to me was uh, was a big one uh, on top of the missed tackles. But I know, Nick, you were uh, – jotting down or at least paying attention to play action which is something that we mentioned into our preview and that too was uh giving this bears defense some fits yeah absolutely it seemed and look the rams run a ton of play action jared goff is pretty successful off of it when when sean mcveigh calls it uh for that rams offense but when they were utilizing their play action you just saw guys were out of position and there were guys running wide open for maybe not the biggest plays but they kept on piling up for first downs and just gaining that yak just because a simple, you know, handoff fake, turn your back to the defense, look now to see that there's a window behind where uh, the linebackers should have been, and you're just an easy completion for Jared Goff. And not that I, I think, like, even in the first half when they were hurting the Bears off of play action, he still missed throws, but it just made it way easier when the Rams were able to utilize their play action and just hit where the vacant spots in the defense were at. So, and that was something I knew that the Bears need to watch out for. And early on, 
the Bears defense did not adjust, but I think throughout later in the game they did do a better job of mitigating the kind of plays that were happening off play action. But that was something that I knew was going to happen and it hurt them. And look, I mean, I, I we're talk I think right now, Will, we are talking negatively about this defense. But man, they were the only thing keeping the Bears in this game for a majority of it. Yep. And then until look, they got tired, they 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 bended like we always talk, they bend and don't break, they broke a couple times. It's it's bound to happen, but when your defense is or when your offense is barely on the field, even great defenses like that are going to give up points. So I know we've been harping on them and probably people in chat maybe are getting upset about that. This Bears defense I think is still a good unit and they were applying some pressure where they were just they were like centimeters off from really from it just being a pressure to a sack there. And I think we need we will give them credit for sure, but there were just there were some holes and things that need to be fixed moving forward, but yeah, you can't you can't be out of position off play action, you can't miss tackles, you can't get destroyed off the edges, but that did happen tonight. It did. Um, there's more I'll talk about. Um, but for me, Nick, and again, I think we all know you're only going to bend so much. I mean, sooner or later, you're going to have a game where things break a little bit more than we've expected here so far this season. I mean, the first half, they held them to 10 points. You know, it's a 10-3 ball game at half. And you come out, the offense, I mean, the defense came out, they forced a punt. All right, let's get back in this ball game. The offense has other plans. We're going to go four yards on three plays. Again, starting at your own one, but that's when the Rams, of course, they start almost at midfield. And then whenever you do that, it's really easy money. But I think for me, it was the nature of some of these touchdown drives. They weren't really bending. It was complete breaking from the start. I mean, when they were scoring, it was boom, 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 boom. They're in the red zone. You blink, they're in, and they score. And for me, you saw that after that punt. But again, okay, they let up another score. And then it's the offense's response of, okay, we'll march down the field just to throw an interception in the end zone. So then you have to go back out there all deflated uh, yet again, and then they gave up another touchdown. And after that, though, they did they did their job. Uh, forced them to miss field goal, fumble touchdown from Eddie Jackson, a punt, a punt, well, then two kneel downs since the end of the game. But, again, it's, it's one of those, the, very, the first half, I thought we saw some really good things from this defense. Early to middle second half, offense wasn't helping them. I'm sure they were getting irritated. And on top of that, a little tired. And they weren't on their best night either. And they're getting some short fields to work with. And that's a double-edged kind of problem for this defense to kind of deal with, figure things out. And unfortunately, it was just a little bit too much tonight. I think what when I think about this game as a whole, what kind of irked me was, you know, you see them putting up 24 points. They didn't do anything special. Like, they just ran the ball. And the Bears didn't have much interest in stopping it tonight. And then on top of that, Jared Goff, he didn't look like he was lighting things up. He was inaccurate, sporadic. When pressure was able to hit home, you'd definitely get him off his mark. And I think that's what kind of gnaws at me the most. It's just knowing that they weren't even playing great on offense either. It was just enough tonight with some short fields to put up points. And if you put up points on this Bears team, it's really hard for them to come back because they're not built to, unfortunately, score points, which you think every football team should be built to do to some degree or um, another. But when we're looking at some players tonight, I know Eddie Jackson had the touchdown, which thank God he finally got one. Thank God that, uh, like you said, that 
injury, that non-contact when he jumped and he grabbed his knee, my first thought was like the Lamar Houston, which I think was like almost to this day a few years ago uh, when he did that celebration, jumped up and then towards uh, ACL. And I saw Jackson jump up and immediately put his hand on his knee. I was like, oh, boy, that's probably not good news. And then he came back. He was okay. Uh, he was able to get a touchdown. I'm outside of that tonight. Akeem Hicks, uh, what's your take on his game? I know he had a lot of penalties, but outside of those penalties, I love the tenacity that he still brought, and I thought that was keeping a little bit of a chip on the shoulder that is his defense. Yeah, I honestly thought, Will, that Akeem Hicks was the most dominant defensive player in this game. When you look at it, it might not register, show up on the stat sheet with Aaron Donald and Cleo Mack playing this game as well, but... Akeem Hicks was in the backfield. Akeem Hicks was impacting plays, and Akeem Hicks was just bringing it to these offensive linemen. Like, if you watch him after a play, he's usually there yelling, and I don't know if he's actually yelling at the offensive lineman or just yelling in general just to let it be known that he is a dominant defensive lineman. He's, what, number two uh, in terms of most double teams behind, of course, Aaron Donald. That's how offenses are treating him and he was making impact plays and even the penalties will that were happening in this game that he, that he got called for look it was a a a roughing the passer play where how are you stopping a guy that's six foot four six foot five 350 from not falling on a quarterback like it just it's not physics it's like I'm not good at it but I know you can't do that and even the neutral zone infraction that he had it looked like he got back it was set and the offensive lineman just touched them and you know there's the flag or whatever so the fla- the the penalties that were called on him very touchy touchy ticky tack fouls but overall his play like he was dominant and look even the past two weeks he didn't get a sack but this game specifically just showed how much he can impact the game and like i said i thought he was the best defensive player and cleo mack and aaron donald played tonight yeah no, yeah, the, definitely uh, I thought Hicks did as well. And uh, on top of that, you saw some really good plays from, like, uh, you know, Mario Edwards getting in there, uh, Mingo getting involved. Someone that you don't hear a lot about tonight, and usually we say, eh, I feel like you'll feel like there's a bigger impact throughout the week. I don't think it's one of those games, though. Robert Quinn, you seem very much a non-factor. Am I missing anything? Did I, not, did I miss a play from him? I see that he had a couple of tackles, but I don't remember anything that was like, big moment for him or anything that was even impactful the forced fumble that eddie jackson scored on that's him that was that was number 94 that was number 94 yeah i'm I'm positive it was uh but you're you're right because look on the other side and the other team i know is a guy that you replace is leonard floyd so you wanted to see robert quinn make the impact that floyd had i think throughout the game and what i think irritated me the most from leonard floyd and uh, you know, we were all big supporters of him early on. Of course we would have been. But he did that jump chop club move, which on that was on Bobby Massey. Yep. And that's a move that he learned from Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald mo- learned that move from Robert Quinn. And I tweet out, let's full circle how this all kind of happens here. But I think it was, other than that one play, Will, it was that Leonard Floyd outshined not only the Bears – I want to say edge rushers in general, but he he outshined Robert Quinn, who he's there to replace to be that guy. And, again, that's another problem. Okay, well, hey, if that was Quinn, I'm glad that I missed it so you can rub it in my face a little bit. 
I, I didn't have who got it. I just held the ball on the ground. I saw Eddie Jackson in the end zone. I did a little dance in my living room. I was like, okay, cool. We got something to cheer about. Jotted it on my notes and uh, totally forgot to actually find out who uh, knocked that ball free. I knew it was a good play in the backfield and needed one at that time. So uh, that's great. Outside of that, uh, I'm, it's not third phase time, but in my notes for Roy Robertson Harris, I have uh, at least a good play in defense. He also had that block field goal. Uh, and then on top of that, too, um, who did I want to mention today? I thought that, you know, you talked about Roquan Smith having a eh, kind of night. And I thought my X factor on defense, which was Danny Trevathan, was kind of in that same boat. Uh, unfortunately, it was a, a game backward for uh, Danny Trevathan. For me, Nick, uh, what do you think was the biggest detriment for the Bears today? Was it just a lack of – to me, I think it's lack of discipline, over-aggressiveness in terms of pursuit on the backside of some plays, and then going back to just missed tackles. And, again, missed tackles is such a easy thing to see and to point out, but you make some of those. We talk about a whole different kind of ball game here, and unfortunately that wasn't the case. But I think for me, uh, was the Bears over-pursuing, over-biting us on the play action, and then uh, missing some of these tackles. Is there anything else that you think the Rams did uh, that seemed to expose I mean, they didn't really – again, they weren't like – going after the Bears really too much. It seemed like they were just really taking what the Bears gave them, and it was easy, and easier than we're used to seeing, uh, especially underneath, and then just taking those and gaining yards after the catch. You know what? I think to to go off um, what you were saying, Will, missed tackles, but also missed opportunities. When you think about it, the dropped interception by Deshaun Gibson, that maybe changed the game. Is that a drop? I, I don't know what what you tweet that he it was like playing volleyball. Yeah, like he was spiking that thing down on the ground. Yeah, I don't know what he like. You can catch the ball to Sean Gibson. That's okay, and he's familiar. He's a guy that's gotten a ton of interceptions in his career, but I don't know, just just forgotten that moment, whatever it was. But also, look, not that it may, the Bears may have recovered this, but the fumble there, uh, what ends up happening, nothing really ends up happening in terms of scoring for the Rams, right? When Cleo Mack has that sack fumble. Mm-hmm. But the Rams do recover it. They punt it. The Bears get this, and on that next possession, they're at the Chicago one. They're at their own one-yard line. Of course, they're going three and out. So field position plays a factor. And then on the next drive, the Rams get a touchdown. So That's actually a good – that's a up- sneaky big play because we talked about that Bears drive and how it did lead to that short field for the Rams. So you're right. That Khalil Mack, if you pick it up and the Bears are the ones that have the ball closer to midfield at that point – that too could have at least maybe kick-started something, potentially. Again, that may have been a tall stretch for this Bears offense, but potentially could have helped swing the game back in Chicago's favor, or at least give them more of a fighting chance uh, throughout the remainder of the game. So, yeah, no, that missed opportunity of not getting that fumble picked up that Khalil is able to force, I think that's a really good call there, Nick. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's still a great play by Khalil Mack and one that we've seen him, you know, make consistently over his entire career. But you you pick that up, like you said, maybe it sparks some kind of fuel to the fire for this Bears offense or whatever. But just missed opportunities, missed tackles, and look, let's let's bring in the offense again. They didn't help out this defense whatsoever, and I think that does play a factor into what happened tonight. You know, let's not talk about the offense again. Sure. But on top of that, Nick, I mean, the defense did a good job on third down, only held the Rams of uh, 4 of 13. Uh, my 
again, I've mentioned it once, but I'll just kind of say it in some different terms here. I was a little disappointed by the amount of third downs the Bears were able to force the Rams into. There was a point where it was uh, nearing the end of the first half where uh, the Bears were facing like a third down like every three or four plays on offense, which is our problem, and I understand that. Um, but the Rams, on the other hand, is like six to seven to eight plays until they're even facing third downs. And usually for this Bears defense over the last few weeks, it's they get them into a third down situation right out of the gate, and then you can shut them down, get yourself into three and outs. We weren't really able to put ourselves in a position to succeed like that because the Rams were able to get a couple first downs, get some early momentum on their drives, and that's what I think was putting the Bears defense on their heels. The Rams were using that early success, mixing it up with tempo, not allowing the Bears to sub, and I think those are some of the other sneaky things that the Rams did well um, using their tempo. We saw it be really big in the red zone when they even broke out of the huddle quick and snapped it. Buster Screen couldn't get over. I uh, find his guy, ID him in time. Easy touchdown for Josh Reynolds. Yes, he's my one of my draft crushes from a few years ago, but I don't want to see him score against uh, the Chicago Bears defense here. Um, but outside of that, uh, one thing that we didn't see a lot of so far this season is team success in the red zone. And I thought the Bears, you know, they gave up three touchdowns on four trips, uh, which is a 75%. That's easy math, though. 75% <laughs> conversion rate. And this is a team that was number one in the red zone on defense, uh, uh, not allowing touchdowns, only at like a 35 36% clip. And I think that was just a testament of them at least more of a sample size of them breaking today when we haven't seen them really do that in the past. Is there anything else about this defense that we should discuss heading heading out of this game and looking ahead to the Saints? I don't know if we want to go that far right now, but anything else about this game with this Bears defense that you want to make sure that we discuss? You know what, I'll give a shout-out to Jalen Johnson here, especially since I got to meet him earlier this week. But against Los Angeles, he did make a couple of good plays. And, you know, right off the bat, he gets he gets challenged on a deep shot. He is right there and almost in position to make an interception on the play. PFF uh, pulled up his stats from the game. 35 coverage snaps, three targets, one catch allowed, and one forced incompletion. So that's just the rookie going up against a quality receiving core and, you know, meeting – just meeting the, the expectations of what he has upon himself and just playing an, another good game. And this was after a game against Carolina where we said, hey, he had some up and downs, but that's a positive. Like, there, you could look at this defense and say there's a lot more positives than you can than the offense for sure. But Jalen Johnson is one of them, and just want to give him a shout-out because I got to meet the guy earlier this week, and <laughs> we, need something, we need something positive to talk about at this point. Yeah, we sure do. And that, you're right. That was a good call. Johnson did have a really... Sh- if you're ready to lose weight, Noom Weight can help. Our weight loss program uses the latest in psychology and behavioral science to help you understand your relationship with food and build long-lasting habits. And the best part is you decide how Noom fits into your life. We won't tell you what you can or can't eat. Instead, we'll give you the knowledge and tools you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle. Start your trial at Noom.com balance. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash balance. Strong game, and it was sneaky because it was a quiet game. And But for most for quarters, unless you're making interceptions, quiet games are uh, just as well. And, yeah, it's interesting, though, even when you look at, like, the box. Like, Robert Woods only had three catches for 22. Cooper Cup, uh, six catches, 43 yards. But it was some of the other guys, like a Josh Reynolds, who was getting – 
uh, some of the bigger plays and Everett as well. So they had to look at some other guys, and I think they knew that. I think they knew that Fuller, Johnson, they were going to be able to shut down their top two receivers, and they had to find ways to get other people involved. I know Cup's more in the slot, but even it seemed like they were throwing different guys there tonight for the Rams. But, Nick, let's move into the fourth and the final quarter of our show. We still need to talk about Bears special teams. already mentioned the positive, I think, which was uh, that blocked field goal by Roy Robertson-Harris, which brings me to my next kind of point, and I'll begin with a question. Why the hell is Ted again Jr. still trying? Or he's not even returning punts. Why is he a guy that stands 55, 60 yards away from the punter that's all he does. So that's all where I'm going to leave it. Why is he doing that? Yeah, he was the only spectator at the at the Bears game, at this Bears Rams game. It was embarrassing to see that this guy wants nothing to do with even getting close to the football. Like he lets it hit the ground and lets this ball roll closer to where the offense, which he's not a part of, has to take over and kind of go from wherever this ball lands and. It's astonishing that Matt Nagy still look. It's probably Chris Tabor, but I'm, I'm sure Matt Nagy's collaborating there. Like you got to have one of your offensive players go back there, but I don't know why he's there. Will I don't know what he does for this team, and the, again another question that will go unsolved. And Matt Nagy will ask the why that we're still not uh, we still haven't figured out. But he does nothing for this team at this point, and ah, I don't know. Ah, right. Uh, I mean, for me. <laughs> They brought him in, and I was like, he's going to mentor Darnell Mooney. Like, he can do that not dressing in a uniform and just getting paid to be there. You can put him on the practice squad. You can promote a Riley Ridley. There are things that you can do. Um, even when the Bears needed to move the ball deep down the field, I don't think I saw Degan Jr. out there, who's supposed to be a speed guy, uh, to give us that chance. It's it's Mooney. I don't know. Does Mooney need the coaching? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's receptive <laughs> to it. And I'm sure he's he's learning a lot of good things from a veteran, but in all seriousness, it seems like a wasted roster spot for in terms of players who can actually go out there and make an impact uh, playing the game. And I mean, he's not helping the Bears' offense one bit. He's hurting them. He's allowing, you know, he's not even fair catching. I mean, he's running away from the football and just allowing it to go deeper and deeper into our own territory and giving the offense longer and more difficult drives ahead of them. And we know this Bears offense needs every yard that they can get before they even touch the ball themselves. And this is where you miss a Tariq Cohen, who's one of the better punt returners in the league. And as much grief and gripe that we had about him sometimes at the position, I, I would love to have number 29 out there right now. Uh, returning punts and at least giving us a chance and knowing we'll get heck maybe we'll get six yards on this one but at least it's six yards forward and not letting the ball bounce seven eight ten yards backward and kudos to their punter again uh he was doing a good job of yeah. pinning us deep tegan jr was not helping whatsoever and i know i, I hate it because we have to talk about it feels like we've been having to talk about it every week but the level of lack of interest is so real and it's so evident it rubs me the wrong way, and I'm watching it on TV. I don't know how a player in a Bears uniform can watch that. They don't need to be inspired by it, but how do you even get excited? Like after a play like that, you're like, okay, here goes Ted. All right, there goes the ball. <laughs> All right, offense, let's go. I mean, it's just 
too darn boring. And for a year that you need to bring your own energy because you don't have fans, you can't have many opportunities like that. So not only are you putting the offense backwards, you're not even giving us a chance of a spark uh, on this, which is an electric type of play a punt return can be. And we, I mean, there's like a 0.0% chance we'll ever have one of those if number 19's out there returning punts. And I don't know, Nick, I'm sure there's someone on this team that can do it better. I, I, I bet you there are, how many people suit up on a game day? It's not 53, it's like 46, something like that. Something like that. So I can name 45 players that can probably do it better on any given Sunday. And, and one of them is Bobby Massey because we know he can catch. He can catch. <laughs> I'd rather have Demetrius Harris. He may not catch it every time, but he may try. <laughs> he may try. Yeah. And it made you know what? I mean, there's one play where he let the ball bounce, and I mean, it was like, and if you're listening, I'm holding my hands up like inches away from like his heel. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's scary. And it's, he's not helping. Uh, and I'm rambling here, and that's okay, because if I'm going to ramble about anything today, it may as well be Ted Ginn Jr. and his lack of interest. And obviously I care, because I'm still talking about it. But Nick, anything else <laughs> that you wanted to add about it? Uh, not about that, but special teams on a good note. Cairo Santos, the one opportunity that he got, 42-yard field goal. Down the middle, it was a good kick. Or, well, it, was, it wasn't down the middle, but it was still a good enough It was enough through the uprights. It was through the uprights, and that's all that counts. That's That'll get you three points there. And, you know, just kind of still continuing that he's some – I don't know if it's too early to say it's someone you can count on to, like, make those. But he's showing consistently now over the couple of weeks that – He's a guy that'll give you points, and that the Bears need every single point they can take from here on out. And it was good to see him get at least make the one opportunity that he got tonight. I'll say it, and it wasn't going to say it, but I'll say it. When he was out there and he was kicking, like before the ball, like before he's like, as soon as it was snapped, I was like in the in the couch, like yeah, like this is good, like I feel it, like we're all right, like I don't have to have that pit in my stomach. And now I said it, so that's not good. I should have internalized that, but uh, it was hard to kind of bite my tongue. It's it's nice to have a kicker where, again, maybe you can't you know, count on him 100%, and I think we have every right and uh, reason to not trust kickers still. Um, but I am starting to feel okay, like I can live uh, with him out there, which is uh, better than we've had so far in our past. But, Nick... We can move on from the third phase. We can move into our uh, call and audible. So we discussed this game in full. Is there anything that you wish happened differently? Is there a moment in the game that you would either take back or change? Um, I have one, and then I also have my monster moment yet again because if Foles doesn't throw that pick, I'm sure that changes the entire complexity uh, direction of this game. But I do have another, but I'll let you uh, – you want me to go first? You gonna you going to receive or are you going to defer? I'm going to defer to the second half here. What do you got, Will? I'm going to do that uh, that miss bomb to Mooney out of our own end zone. Like you said, if you step into that throw or if you just give it a little bit more air, I mean, you're looking at a 95-yard touchdown right there. You're looking at a big, big play from your rookie wide receiver. Nick Foles delivers. And if you can take that one, again, this, this team needed a spark. And that would have been a spark uh, that could have – maybe put the bears on top i mean you do something like that i think confidence gets risen energy level goes up a ton uh so if i can take a moment back and change how it went i'll go with that miss bomb to mooney and give the bears 
Honestly, that would have probably been one of the longest passing plays I've ever seen out of Chicago Bears uh, in my lifetime. Can't think of any off the top of my head that would have been longer. So that's going to be the one for me. How about you, Nick? What is going to be your audible moment? Yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of leaning towards that that Mac uh, fumble strip sack to being recovered. But I think also just if Tashawn Gibson actually makes an effort to not punch the football and actually try to catch it, I wonder exactly how that maybe shifts momentum seeing that it's still a one score game and you're able to get this interception what can you what can the offense do with the quick change of field position maybe go that up tempo that at times was working if they didn't have to call a timeout and actually figure out what the heck play they were trying to run that could have maybe changed things given anytime you can shorten the field for the Bears offense you'll take it and doesn't mean they'll do something with it or end up getting points but it gives them a better opportunity to do so. So either one of those plays, I think, would... I don't know if it changes the game. I really don't, given that this Bears offense couldn't do anything. Um, but I think if you give them at least a better opportunity, you'll see what happens. Maybe a penalty puts them in position at the one. They may take all four plays to punch it in, but y- you never know. So I'll go with either one of those two plays being the, the audible there. You know what? After a game like we saw, I'll let you have two. I'm not going to harp on you and make you choose one. Honestly, Nick, I think kicking the game off would have been one we just would have done differently and hope from that point forward, whatever else happened, probably couldn't have been, at least for offense, as bad as we saw here tonight. Could have been giving us a second chance, may have been just a mulligan. We'll play the game here in uh, the wee hours of the morning, and we'll, we'll try again. But. Nick, let's move in. Uh, second to last segment. What's going to be your – who is going to be, I should say, your uh, Week 7 MVB, your most valuable bear? Yeah, and I was talking about him earlier. I think it should be Akeem Hicks, just the way he played. I know people will look at the penalties and, you know, look at that as the negative. And, look, they, they are a negative thing that happened. But he was dominant today, you guys, I think just from start to finish. And there were times where – like maybe other players would wouldn't put the effort that Akeem Hicks was putting in despite whatever quarter it was whatever down it was Akeem Hicks was giving it his all and just being he was just wreaking havoc and just giving the business to these Rams offensive linemen and that was great to see because he is one of the top interior defensive linemen in this league and he showed it tonight I think if people are gonna they're gonna definitely discredit the bears like if anyone's played that among us game they are the imposter for sure but akeem hicks by no means is is not an imposter he is a dominant defensive player and he showed that tonight what he was able to do to offensive linemen and like i said earlier i know it's a i don't know if it's a bold statement but just how they played i thought he was the most dominant defensive player in this game tonight given that you had two former defensive MVPs in this game, and Aaron Donald and Cleo Mack. But MVP should definitely be Akeem Hicks. Oh, so you finally played? No, I haven't. But <laughs> so I was supposed to play this weekend. We never did it. But I know that's how the game somewhat goes. Yes, you're getting some context clues. We'll play. We can join a lobby. Uh, maybe maybe we'll get people in the chat that want to play among us. They they can play uh, with us, and uh, they'll all be sus. Um, but for me, Nick, I'm going to go with uh, – at one point in my notes I had no one's deserving, uh, which I don't think we've ever had a show. Uh, maybe one where we said, screw it, no MVBs. Maybe one. Yeah, it could have been a couple of years ago, but I, it's, I'm happy Eddie Jackson gave me something to cheer about. 
Uh, he's had so many of those uh, pick sixes, scoops, and scores. Anytime he's scored this season, like you said on the top of the show, yellow laundry on the field. And as soon as I saw, even he was like, what's going to be the call? Like he's standing there like, give me my score. Like I scored here. Come on, don't take this one away from me too. And they didn't. So luckily they gave us something to cheer about. So for Eddie Jackson finally getting into the end zone and them not taking it back, uh, and on top of that, he did end up as the Bears' leading tackler today with the nine total tackles. Uh, again, I don't think that's a great thing. Ideally, with how much the Rams were running the ball, those tackles would have been made by linemen and linebackers, not as much Eddie Jackson. But still, I'm going to go ahead and give him my MVP for scoring, more. Uh, as we said, uh, double the amount of points uh, that the offense was able to put up by themselves. And the offense couldn't find their way into the end zone, but Eddie Jackson did. So for that reason, he is going to be my MVP. All right, Nick, all we need to do, and this is it, all we need to do is give our two-minute warning, and then we can close the show. So I'll go ahead and begin with my two-minute warning. That way you can kind of stew on how you kind of want to frame this because it's real interesting. We're in a very... Uh, unique spot uh, to be five and two, yet feeling, at least right now, that there's a tremendous amount of issues with this offense. That even we've seen some really good Bears teams with some very mediocre offenses do some have some good years, and for some reason this feels almost a little bit worse. Uh, the Bears had a chance tonight to go six and one with the unquestioned best record in the NFC. And for some reason, they didn't play like they thought they had that chance. Like, they had a chance to show them, like, the world, like, hey, we're for real, and we are the best team in the NFC. Or at least we have the best record, and we can contend. And tonight, instead, they decided, we'll let the pretender people feel like they have it right right now. I don't know. It was just a lack of urgency on offense, uh, execution, not playing crisp. You had an extra day. You had a longer week. Uh, you really thought that they would have played at a much higher level. The Rams were coming off a, a bad game themselves. And, Nick, I told you, I don't like playing pissed-off teams. They didn't even seem that pissed off. Like, they didn't even seem, like, ready to dominate either. It's just they played better. And they executed at a, a higher clip than the Bears were today. And, again, the offense only getting one field goal is a huge problem. But instead of going 6-1, and one, they dropped to 5 Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. We have the Rams coming up next. I mean the Rams. We just did the Rams. We have the Saints coming up next. There's a real chance we go from 5-1 and one with a chance to have the best record in the NFC within seven days, being 5-3, and three, right in the middle of the pack, and a lot of question marks surrounding where this team's going to go. Now, I'm going to be hopeful, uh, just like the Rams had a bad game, that we are allowed to have a bad game, too. But I'm not going to get myself into the mindset where, you know, it is just a bad game. Like, oh, it's just one bad game, and we'll move on, we'll be great. 
there are some real serious concerns that we need to keep tabs on, keep discussing, keep the watching on full throughout this year. And I'm hoping that they can find an identity on offense. I'm hoping that the offensive line can, uh, you know, they can whip out the smelling salts and they can just wake up and they can start wanting to play and dominate the line of scrimmage, give this offense a chance to establish a run, give their quarterback time to uh, execute a play where he doesn't have to feel like whatever the play call is, he doesn't have enough time before he even snaps the ball to even run it. Uh, those are items that really concern me, and I'm hopeful they can figure them out because this is a defense that they can win you a lot of games. We've seen it. They can't win you every game, and we're also seeing that. So we need this offense to pick it up because I think this is a year where they have a chance yet again, a lot like 2018, to at least make it interesting. Now, do they need to win the whole thing? No. Would we love it? Yes. Would they at least get into the playoffs? I would hope so this season uh, based off of the start that the Bears had, but I would love to have this team find a way to make things interesting instead of a team that squeaks themselves into the playoffs knowing that there isn't a real shot at much. Uh, So for me, I'm going to be cautiously, slightly optimistic that things can be worked out this season, at least to uh, enough to to make this season worth the ride. And I'm hoping that they're not going to be one of those teams, kind of like one of the Trestman teams that start off so good and just fall apart near the end. And unfortunately, that's a that's a possibility here too. But hopefully this team, what I've seen out of them, they don't have a lot of quit. Uh, they do want to, I mean, hey, maybe the season's going to be just like the year where they have a huge comeback near the end or something like that. And they really get hot in the fourth quarter of the year. We'll find out. Um, but as of right now, um, pretty irritated by the lack of effort I saw tonight. Uh, lack of execution on offense and hopefully they feel the same they have a sour taste in their mouth like me and they have a short memory they can turn it around because if they don't if we have another outing like we did tonight we're going to get dominated by the saints and that's going to really change the dynamic and the perception of this bears team and where it's heading here in 2020 so i know i went a little over my two minutes nick but I let you usually go over two minutes, too. So you can have all the time in the world that you need. You know, I never know how long I go with these, so I'll try to keep this short. First, I want to just start off with what Matt Nagy said tonight, you guys. Matt Nagy said, Cole Komet's going to start playing more in this offense. He deserves it. He's earned it. We have to start using him more. So when you talked about things that irritate you, I think Matt Nagy right now just irritates me. We've heard this before in post-game press conferences with him wanting to play Cole Kmetter, just things in general. But I look at this offense, and I see no answer to all the questions that they have. On this offensive line, we don't know the severity of Cody Whitehair's injury. You better get used to saying Sam Mustafer at, at center, right next to Rashad Coward and Jermaine Effetti and Bobby Massey and Charles Leno Jr. That's your front that's your starting offensive line, and you have a statuesque quarterback in Nick Foles who's going to try to throw it. That does not sound encouraging for the Saints coming up, for the Tennessee Titans that look like a really good football team. Heck, even the Vikings on Monday night, that's not going to be the, the cakewalk that maybe Bears fans were seeing as they looked at the schedule, and they shouldn't have never thought that in the first place because no game has been a cakewalk. So, This offense has some serious, serious issues, and it goes even beyond, far beyond personnel, what they have to just put out there for the 11 guys. It all starts, I think, honestly, with the play caller slash head coach and Matt Nagy, 
how he runs things, and maybe just not wanting to give up something that he takes so much pride in, being the play caller and the head coach. I think he just needs to wear one hat instead of two. Defensively, this is still a good, a good, a very good unit. I believe that wholeheartedly. They just ran into a Rams team that, you know, was playing some good football. You mentioned it well. It was probably pissed off of how they lost to the 49ers, an embarrassing loss. They just gave the Bears an embarrassing loss. Will they use this to fuel the fire to kind of rebound for the rest of the season? I don't know. Uh, if this offense doesn't honestly get better, it's it's a bottom five offense. Can they get out of that? I don't know. And it's it's going to take execution from the from guys that you don't have on the offensive line and maybe just a lack of personnel in general. And it's going to take Matt Nagy to really assess himself and look at himself in the mirror to see what can I do better. Can I just give up this play calling? Can I just be a better play caller? It's three years now, man. I think at this point we know who you are. You should know who you are. I know it's a BU mantra that he embodies, but man. It has not worked offensively. Good coach, but the offense ain't working. So we got to look for, for other answers to maybe solve one of the many problems that are on this, this Bears offense and really this Bears team. Uh, Ted Kidd Jr. is a problem. I just wanted to mention that before I end this all. I'm ending it right there. I'm not very optimistic, but we'll see what happens moving forward. The Bears, um, they like to make things interesting or just any of the words that we use in the beginning of the show when watching a game, but... You know we're going to watch them. Can you just at least make it a game? 10-24, to 24, this wasn't a game from the very beginning, and it would be nice to even have well, – I will, I will take what we saw in the beginning for the first six weeks. This one, it wasn't fun to watch. Nope, not, none whatsoever, Nick, and you really had me until you had to throw Ted Jr. into that one yet again. Also, I need I to know – Actually, I need clarification. Did you say we have a statue as quarterback or a statue ass quarterback? Because I really did not Esk. know. I'm sorry, it, I, maybe I just didn't enunciate the esque, statue-esque Esk. quarterback. See, I was wrong on Esk. both of what I thought I heard, so. Aha. Sorry for that. that <laughs> that's on me. Maybe it's just late. I don't know how to pronounce things anymore, but statue-esque quarterback. <laughs> much, much, much more elegant, uh, I must say there, Nick. But I want to thank everyone here who's still up late listening to us talk about a Bears loss. Uh, that's always appreciated. That way we're not doing it alone and uh, if you're listening to the podcast uh, here on Tuesday or later on in the week, I uh, just want to, uh, for both Nick and myself, uh, thank you uh, for your time as well. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't yet. That way you get a notification each and every time that we go live. If you want to join the live chat, uh, watch our video cast. Um, and if you're just like loving the pod, stay in the pod and crank it out. If you're going to stay over there, though, uh, make sure to rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts. That helps us reach more Bears fans just like yourself, and those are always appreciated by us. Uh, up next, uh, we got to start our homework for me, uh, depending on how I feel after I crank out this episode, probably a little bit tonight, a little bit tomorrow. I have an interview with our Saints guests already in about 14 hours, so it's a short week, and uh, I'm already feeling it a bit, but uh, no rest for the wicked. And you know here at Chicago Audible, uh, we put in the work. Uh, so real quick turnaround for us. We'll be meeting the Saints, uh, the 4-2 and two Saints here, uh, well, for a near feeds here in about a day. Uh, but until then, uh, enjoy your Tuesday. Enjoy your start of the week as best you can. I know starting uh, Mondays are tough, and uh, ending them with a Bears loss doesn't make the start of the week uh, any easier whatsoever. So again, Bears are now... Five and two, 
Uh, and we'll see what kind of trajectory they want to start as a very critical stretch as the season continues to unfold. But we'll talk to you here soon. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.